welcome to another episode of Here Comes a Thought with me, Kat. Me, Mark. And me, Jean. <laughs> That's your author, buddy. We're, we're, a little, we're a little delirious right now. It's okay. It's totally okay because we are talking today about Tiger Millionaire. Yeah. Or was it Liger Millionaire? Well, it's Tiger Millionaire, and this episode is called Liger Millionaire. For what reason? Cat or Gian? Do you want to say why? Because... What episodes are we covering? We're covering Tiger Millionaire, which is episode 9, and Steven's Lion, episode 10. And if we're going to talk about both, we're technically talking about a Liger. Although, so not- in retrospect, we're not really going to be talking that much about Steven's Lion. Let's be real here. Yeah, it's not... That- so we're not talking about lions and tigers and bears, oh my? No. No Wizard of Oz here today. No. No. Oh. Well, I'll come back for the next episode then. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, actually, how's everybody been? Because uh, Mark and I have both been sick. I'm doing a little bit better. Um, I'm currently uh, under my sec- uh, about halfway through my second week of uh, school. This is my last semester before I'm done with my associates. And um, I don't want to do it anymore. I just want to give up, to be honest. No, don't say that. I live in a cave with my Steven Universe soundtrack and just listen to it on repeat until the end of the world. It sounds like a logical way. All right. We're going to have to do an intervention after this. Yeah. If you don't give up, I will do an episode where I actually sing Here Comes a Thought. Oh, Oh, boy. You heard it here, folks. You heard it here first, folks. Yeah. That's so happening. Okay. All right. All right. So... Let's 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 get let's get digging here into Tiger Millionaire. Yeah. Um. So uh, I I <laughs> with song with song. Okay. All right. So with Tiger Millionaire, we have Amethyst as a secret underground beach city wrestler who goes by the name of Purple Puma. And is currently like the the number one champion in the in the single fights, but Steven discovers this little secret and wants to tag along with her. And Amethyst basically says that she's only gonna use him to get the tag team belt so she can have all of the belts. And so Well, at um, least she's with- honest. Yeah. E- exactly. Uh, but at the same time, Steven thinks that this is all really just a, a big game, and so he plays into the whole tiger millionaire which was his persona um in the ring and so he uses like these fake bucks he uses all like these very over the line over the top like millionaire type things like a giant cell phone and other things to kind of trip up the opponents so that purple puma can just absolutely demolish them all and at this point it kind of like gets to his head and then he's all about the crowd and everything. And eventually, like when he gets like his own following, uh, someone tries to come up for an autograph, and he just slams that cup right into the ground, and tries to keep up the persona that oh, you know, you couldn't afford my autograph because he's so rich. Yeah. But can can we just talk about the fact that Stephen wants Lars to be his best friend like crazy, and the person that Lars loves the most is tiger millionaire and he doesn't see that it's steven so can we say it's sort of like uh the s curl and the glasses with superman and clark kent like yeah 
like Tiger Millionaire's persona is so huge and all engulfing that he doesn't even realize that it's the person that he doesn't want to be friends with. You know, in all honesty, I feel like that's kind of what they were playing at, or that the the disguise is so, like, not really there, but at the same time, it is there, and because they're so wrapped up in the persona, they, they don't really see the disguise. Well, at least Lars doesn't, because Sadie totally knows, and she kind of calls it out. Yeah, he just doesn't. Lars just doesn't listen. He thinks it's totally just Tiger Millionaire, and he has no idea who he is on in the real world. Yeah, and this is this is sort of a recurring theme in in comic books and the animation where you have this sort of alter ego that the people you admire most seem to admire more than they do you. Yeah, and well, yeah, well, yeah, because that's like Lois uh, Clark. Clark with Lois Lane, and yes, I will always do a Superman, Spider Man yeah, with uh, Peter Parker. So yeah, but that one's a little bit more like that's a total like persona, like that's a complete difference. Whether it's with Clark Kent and Superman, it's just a just really just glasses at this point. Yeah, but with Spider, but Peter Man, Spider Man and Peter Parker, that's like you know he has a whole suit, his mask is supposed to purposely muffle his voice so no one can really tell who he is whether it's a superman and clark kent it's the same person same voice he doesn't really try to hide it other than he just doesn't walk around as clark kent in his superman costume and without his glasses yeah yeah so okay All right, so, let's, so let's start with it right <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'm sorry i didn't mean to cut you off so the episode starts with uh amethyst and pearl and garnet having this discussion which is sort of like a typical parental dispute with an adolescent uh, where they're sort of chastising her for being immature or not playing by the rules. And she just wants to sort of be herself and, uh, you know, let loose and be awesome uh, the way that she wants to be. And so that's, what we see later that she's trying to play out as a wrestler, right? Yes. And so... But I, yeah. I want to disagree with you for a moment. Okay. I'm sorry. But so, because you were saying that it's like uh, they're chastising her, um, the parental figure to the adolescent child, or as my view of it is more of... And, and the way we've spoken about Steven universe and the relationships with the, with the crystal gems, we've always spoken as Pearl and Garnet being the, the family figure, uh, the, the parental figures and Amethyst being uh, the, the older sibling to Steven, but we actually never spoke about the dynamic of the relationship between the crystal gems themselves. Yeah. And I think in this aspect, Pearl and Garnet, Yes, still kind of are the parentified figures, but I don't want to say they're the parental figures. They would be considered par like parentified teenagers. So, in other words, Amethyst sees them as siblings. Yes, they're older than her, and she she would be then considered the youngest of the three siblings. But and they've taken on that parentified role, but Amethyst sees them more as sort of just I, I, kind of equals. Mm -hmm. um, so they're all the same on the same level. They should all be treated the same. 
yet they talk down to her like, you know, like the older siblings will always do with their younger siblings. I agree wholeheartedly with what you're saying. It's true that uh, the, her relationship in relation to Stephen and the other gems is different from the way that she sees her own relationship with the gems alone. She she is she does see herself in as an equal, but the other mm-hmm. two gems may sort of uh, look down on her because they have a shared history that she doesn't have. Yes. Which sort of sets him apart. Well, and and this is where, so this is why my disagreement of you, and we'll see it as we finish talking about the the episode, um, is more of a, instead of being parental figures to the the younger, uh, to another child, it's three siblings arguing, which is why I think it's a little bit more shocking for Amethyst, why she does what she does. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. So, so the whole thing is we talk about the crystal gems, and when Rebecca Sugar speaks about the crystal gems, they are always representative of a female gender, and they go by female pronouns. So they use uh, she, her, um, hers. hers, yes. And Purple Puma is a guy. Mm-hmm. So this is the first time we see the gems in a persona that isn't female so and and again it's probably just because all the wrestlers there are men there there are no female wrestlers in this this isn't wwe so there are no divas or i think they're no longer called divas um and just female wrestlers yeah um and also i i should say maybe this isn't just because wrestlers tend to be male, this could also be a sort of drag performance by Amethyst where she gets a spot where she can enact male gender roles and feel comfortable in it. Okay. I, uh, I actually like that. I, I, I mean, yeah, I can see that. Uh, I'm, I'm just going to kind of disagree for just a second. I just feel like they just don't really care about the the whole gender i i me personally i feel like they don't really quite a hundred percent understand the quote-unquote gender roles that um we kind of have in place in terms of what a guy should be like what a girl should be like and to them because they come across as more feminine you know that's why steven and everybody kind of refers to them as you know she and her and to them they just don't really mind it because you know they understand that they're trying to talk to them and it doesn't bother them, like, uh, because to them they're just stones. They're just they're yeah. just gems. Yeah. So I feel like when they when when Amethyst switches over to Purple Puma, and you know we only really get the snippet that it's a guy when uh, Tiger Millionaire starts talking about the backstory. I feel like really Amethyst just doesn't really see the difference between being a guy and being a girl, I think it's more so just being the guy because, like you said earlier, that most of the wrestlers in there were, or all of them, in fact, were, were guys. Yeah. So just a, a matter of really just blending in, mm-hmm. and it, it was just more so something that, you know, she wanted to do and something that she felt like she could make be a part of without having Pearl and Garnet uh, involved. And it doesn't really matter to her whether or not she's a guy or a girl. It's just that in the wrestling ring, people are probably going to typically call her uh, by male pronouns, and to her, that that doesn't bother her, that doesn't face her, because she doesn't really understand the difference. Is is my just personal take on it? 
it, it's sort of that could be another interpretation. I, if that were the case, I think it's a little bit problematic, right? Where why, if she surf self refers to her as female throughout the whole series, you know, why is it that? And in, in this sort of the the show tends to be more sort of progressive in terms of gender roles, mm-hmm. and I don't see why uh, she wouldn't just present herself in the ring as a woman if she wasn't actively sort of changing her, her own gender role and how she's portraying it. It's sort of putting the the audience has the responsibility of assigning her gender instead of her. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's actually what I was going to say. So if she's seeing it as so. So the reason why she got into wrestling, she says, is because in the ring, no one can tell her um, that nobody can tell her what to do, which is, again, goes back to the argument between siblings. You know, if an older sibling is always the uh, parentified and is always the one in charge of the younger siblings, they always tell the younger siblings, don't forget, you have to do your chores or, you know, you have your homework to do and da 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 da. So, yes, the parentified sibling would have a lot of responsibilities, but they're also delegating a lot of responsibilities. And a lot of times the younger siblings see it as, one, they're not seen or heard as being as beneficial or being as necessary as the um, parentified teenager or a parentified sibling, I'm sorry. But they also see, see it as they also have no control on their lives. So if Pearl is going in and saying, guess what, I'm going to change it up so much that I'm going to be a guy because the fans have dictated that wrestlers are guys, I'm going to play the guy because guess what? Nobody else can tell me what to do once I'm in this ring. Yeah, that's interesting. I like it. So let's go to wonderful things that we always talk about in therapy, coping skills. This becomes Amethyst's coping skill for dealing with being the little sister and being bossed around and being chastised and chided. And, you know, she gets to go into the ring and prove she is awesome. She Mm -hmm. is a force to be reckoned with. There's nothing that can stop her. She has all, almost all of the belts, right? Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's only until she has a partner, which would be then Steven that, you know, she's, she's able to go for that tag team belt, which actually is a whole other thing because one, we also then get to see the dynamic of Amethyst is also the middle child, not the youngest child. And Steven would then be considered the youngest child who looks up to Amethyst. And he is just blown away that she is able to do this. He's always loved the fact that she can um, uh, shapeshift and everything. And now he gets to participate in something that she does. And it's just the two of them. um, And they don't have to tell their older siblings that they're doing this. So the great thing about this is he gets to become part of amethyst's world and do um exactly what his quote unquote older sister does um i would i okay i would like to go back to the point of sort of amethyst uh coping skills okay and so i also see it as a sort of defense mechanism and at least in sort of the uh, in my field there's a, there's such a thing as sublimation it's a term okay. that's used 
when somebody uses an socially unacceptable desire and finds an appropriate place to sort of um, express that desire. If somebody so has, I, ha sort of I have that 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 term in my field too. Don't make me feel bad. Oh, but okay, no, I no. Ha yeah. I have to talk to people on a daily basis, so we don't use that word. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, of course. Um, and, uh, yeah, you're sublimating. Uh, it's, it, it doesn't it doesn't really roll off the tongue. Um, no. <laughs> um, but it's, for example, if you have somebody who has a lot of sort of aggressive impulses, he mm -hmm. might like to go boxing, and this might be a good place for him to sort of uh deal through these feelings in a socially acceptable manner and uh, amethyst is doing this and she most she i think she wants to be in a place where she can let loose nobody can tell her what to do and she can just be very aggressive she can be um strong and powerful and not have to measure herself or or be careful And uh, this is a perfect place for her to sort of express that. So, yeah, I, so, I concur. Yeah. I, I want you to just hold on to this thought and this part of this conversation for when we talk about lion, about uh, when we talk about Stephen's lion and okay. Amethyst's role in that. Okay. And <laughs> yeah, we'll hold that for later. But yeah. Stephen, that's, that's sort of Amethyst uh, motivation. But Stephen's motivation is... He admiration for mm -hmm. uh, for the whole wrestling sort of uh, environment and a way to connect with Amethyst. And this has been a theme throughout where he's trying to connect with the Crystal Gems. And I think this is a perfect way for him to connect more with Amethyst. Yes. So we, we all remember the episode where he tries to shapeshift and he makes the cat fingers. Yeah. Right? So yes. did anybody else think it was hilarious that instead of sh trying to shape shift again and make the little cat face, he just went for, and he had, he had a lucha, a uh, 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 a luchador mask. Did, did anybody else remember that in the episode? He does. He has the option between a, like a luchador mask and this little, like little cat nose. And instead of doing the luchador mask, he uses the cat nose. Yes. Yeah. I remember that. <laughs> And that's that's that. I think that's interesting because also the uh, amethyst role is already purple puma, so mm -hmm. being tiger millionaire sort of fits in into that. And maybe he was trying to sort of uh, look for a brand that he can sort of really blend in with purple puma. I think it's sort of emulation there. Yeah, he's emulating aesthetics. Well, that too, but it's it's he he looks up to to uh his his older sister amethyst and like all little sis uh little siblings what do they do they copy their older siblings they do everything that they do so instead of choosing a luchador mask he chooses the uh the little cat nose but the other thing is steven also wants to be steven mm -hmm. um and he has a he has a moment where he does it he has several moments through the episode where he can't kind of separate Tiger Millionaire from Steven. Yeah. But in the beginning, it's very difficult for him. And 
you know, so putting on that little, just that little thing allows him to still sort of be Steven and be concerned about, you know, the fans hating him and how, how do you get to like uh, people to like you and all of this. But then he gets to go through everything and then th- there's a whole transformation later on. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But, you know, he he gets to still be Steven with the little thing as, as opposed to the luchador mask, which is, in all honesty, when luchadors talk about wrestling, they're like, it's a complete transformation. When they, once they put that mask on, they're a completely different person. Yeah. So, but I guess let's and start I- talking about his transformation or what? Sorry. Yeah, I think what's interesting, and we can segue from this into the transformation, is that Amethyst, she does Purple Puma in order to sort of be herself. Yes. Right? So that's her It's like the Superman quote where it's like uh, Clark Kent is the disguise and Superman is the actual person. Yes. And, and so in terms of Steven when he plays Tiger Millionaire, he's role-playing. He's hardcore role-playing. He has the backstory. Mm-hmm. He has sort of the merchandise. And he shifts his perspective to the crowd, right? So he's mm-hmm. sort of doing it uh, to sort of play out the, the, you know, the fantasy of being a famous wrestler. Yes. And so he completely commits to this, identity when he starts noticing that uh, the more sort of mean and aggressive he becomes, the more he's cheered on, uh, especially by Lars, which seems to really sort of admire Tiger Millionaire because he sort of embodies that sort of image. And this is something common in, in professional wrestling where there mm-hmm. are characters that are known as face and there are characters known as heel. And so face are the good guys sort of characters that are liked because of uh, sort of having good attributes, being strong and sort of being always sort of being on top while the heel character is the bad guy that's supposed to motivate uh, the, the face into you're supposed to love to hate him or, yes. At the same time, you might really like him because he he doesn't follow the rules and he's somebody who who doesn't uh, take any crap or anything. It's sort of I, I was reading this article that sort of compared the sort of heel culture to why so many people seem to like Donald Trump as president and how uh, they say that, you know, he says that he's uh emptying the swamp and he doesn't care about bureaucracy and he doesn't care about the rules. And somehow that sort of persona of being uh, completely unhinged and it sort of attracts some people. Okay. That's weird. (laughs) Yeah. And from there we sort of um, go into where that sort of goes into a, from a different direction where Lars really becomes a fan of his and he asked for an autograph. And so Stephen, playing into his Tiger Millionaire character, slaps the drink off his hand and says, you know, you can't afford this because uh, it's sort of his mean character. And that's the point where we start noticing that we like heel characters as long as it's a character, right? Yes. But 
it, not when it affects real people. And here, you know, uh, this sort of attitude affects Lars. It, 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 what, he had somebody that he admired, and so he was let down. And and this goes back to, like, uh, Stephen not kind of knowing his boundaries, not understanding the boundaries. Um, he has the persona. He and, – and, I mean, this is something they learn in professional wrestling, even as they're um, – developing their characters oh my god you know what i was just thinking i should have had um shannon you guys haven't met my husband but i should have had him join in on this episode because guess what he used to do uh pro wrestling wrestling yeah oh my not pro but like so he used to do wrestling okay so together. actual like non-acted wrestling no 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 he was an active wrestler he was in the ring and all of that, but it wasn't like he was in, you know, the WWE or anything. Um, okay, okay. But you, we could have gotten a better perspective on it from from him who used to do this. So, uh, <laughs> you so, know, actually, that reminds me. I actually have a, a friend of mine who used to work at a vitamin shop, uh-huh. and she would tell me all the time about this one one of her old coworkers that he was legitimately trying to be in the WWE. Like he would go through the auditions and everything to be on the show or be in part of the, the organization or whatever. And I thought that was really, really kind of weird at first, but now like thinking it's, back on it and kind of relating it to, to Tiger Millionaire, it's like one of those interesting things where you can totally see how like they get totally riled up and caught up in the moment of these, these matches and everything, especially then like when a fan tries to come up to you and you're so into character that you just kind of like act as it. And then you end up causing some backlash kind of like what, you know, Steven does with Lars here and slams the cup on the ground and tells him that he couldn't even afford the autograph. Yeah. Yeah. And so, but this is, this is where one of the things that they teach them is yes, you, you are a heel, but you're a heel. You're a heel up until you lose your, your, your fans. Your fans are pretty much what, what, what make you as a character. And that's the yeah. boundary that Steven didn't understand. Like, yes, you are a heel, but you are a heel in the ring. You are a heel on the way to the ring. But if you, if there's a, uh, uh, I keep wanting to say customer, if there is a fan there, they're idolizing you. They love you. They want to be you. They want to be your friend. They want to be your, you know, you know, like they want to hang out with you. And when you um, do that to them, when you've made them, when you've knocked them down, that they're no, mm-hmm. they no longer see themselves as being able to um, participate in your sort of world, you've lost that. And when you've lost that, you've lost who you are. Um, and that was the boundary that Steven didn't understand. Like, yeah, everybody hated Purple Puma, but Purple Puma wasn't like a dick to the fans. She's just mm-hmm. a dick in the ring. Yeah. And so it, it's also interesting to sort of notice why Lars likes uh, Tiger Millionaire, right? Because Tiger Millionaire did not act differently than mm-hmm. he would in the ring, right? And so it's sort of this idea of toxic mas- masculinity and how we seem to sort of worship roles where uh, and men are supposed to be dominant and sort of... Uh, they're supposed to be in control and nobody's supposed to tell them what to do. And that's something that really, that Lars really sort of vibes with. But then we see that 
that same sort of attitude when put into actual practice in real life can be very harmful to relationships. And it's not a, a sort of viable way to live a healthy life and have a productive relationships. And I think this is something that Lars is sort of going to struggle with as the series goes on, where he he has to sort of come to terms with his own masculinity and understanding, you know, when is it good to be strong without, how can somebody be strong without putting somebody else down, right? Yeah. And well, yeah. But that's, that's, uh, that's going to be the that's going to be the big problem for Steven. He has to figure out that role. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. But I don't think that's something he learns in this episode. Mm -hmm. You know, he, he sees the damage that he can do. And the fact that it's, it's one of those things, like I understand his, his elation, the friend that you always want to have is now saying he wants to be your best friend. But he wants to be his best friend and not know that this is this is Steven. So he doesn't realize he's Steven. He doesn't believe it's Steven. Um, so now he's lost the person that he looks up to. And and he's like, he has no clue how to fix it. Yeah, I feel like um, in, in this sort of episode, this is where Steven, like you guys were saying earlier, how Steven's kind of getting his first little taste in terms of responsibility and taking responsibility um, for your actions. Um, in this case, you know, after he slams the cup down and he realizes what he did and everything, you know, he, you know, he asks Amethyst like, Oh, do you know, do people really, really hate me like that? Do people really think I'm that awful of a person? <laughs> and she basically tells him no, but yes, at the same time, but like in terms of just his character, not so much himself. And so um, this is where Steven is kind of introduced to the idea of, you know, there's consequences to your actions and you need to, you need to be able to take responsibility for those actions. Um, and this sort of kind of gets reinforced uh, as I'm naturally segueing now, moving on from Tiger Millionaire into Steven's Lion. So with Steven's Lion here in episode 10, they're in the desert. They're looking for this, uh, this other gem that's creating all these random... Um, sand monuments within the desert. Stephen is, since Stephen is, you know, part human, he has to sit in the, you know, he's really, really hot in the desert. So they tell him that he can just kind of sit back and, and wait while they go uh, and look for the, the gem. So while he's waiting and everything, he comes across, uh, he notices that there's a line in the distance. And at first, like, he has the normal reaction that any other perfectly competent human being would also have if they came across a lion and that is be utterly terrified but then i feel like and this is probably one of the few criticisms i have of of the show is in this episode like after like a brief little stint when lion kind of like gets really close to him you know after maybe a few sec a few seconds of interaction now all of a sudden lion is his new best friend he's you know crawling all over him you know he's cuddling with lion uh, when the gems return with the with the, the the gem that's creating all the sand monuments, he's he's trying to fit himself into Lion's mouth. <laughs> and Pearl has the natural reaction of like, Stephen, get out of the lion's mouth! Like, what are you doing with that creature? And so, you know, he eventually has to say bye to his to the lion, but uh, unbeknownst to him, the lion actually follows him back to Beach City. 
and this is again this is where the whole responsibility thing um kind of comes into play because the entire time pearl is telling amethyst who who is holding the gem because she's saying that she found it to bubble it put it away because if it comes in contact with sand it's going to start everything all over again and amethyst is saying no it's fine it's whatever i got this it's going to be safe and then it cuts to them in the back at the house in the temple and amethyst is trying to quote-unquote sleep even though gems can don't have to sleep and the gem pillow is kind of just sitting on the very top of this little makeshift fort that she and Steven had made. And then when Steven notices Lion come back, uh, he, you know, they kind of have a little back and forth thing, but then Steven realizes that Lion only came back for the, the pillow. And Steven kind of, obviously, he doesn't understand why, but then in an angry sort of moment, again, not thinking about his actions he throws the pillow into the beach and then all of a sudden everything sort of starts all over again. The sand monuments are building up and um, now that the the gem itself is making these monuments and towers and he's actually building defenses to protect itself so that way it can keep on building. And another way for, uh, for Steven to learn this is because Amethyst's lack of responsibility... Um, lack of ownership of knowing that the pillow was her responsibility. Um, that's kind of how Steven realizes that, wow, you know, if we're not responsible, if we're not accountable for our actions, you know, bad things can happen. Mm-hmm. Things can happen to, you know, the people here that live in Beach City. And so uh, I, I feel like that's really one of the only main things that you can kind of pull from this episode because other than that, it's more so just kind of like a, a character introduction episode, in my opinion. Completely agree. This one is more of a like introduction to, to the character of Lion. I don't think there's a lot of psychological stuff to talk about. But like we, we didn't even finish the episode, Mark. I know you really like Lion, but come on. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I love Lion. Lion... <laughs> is so adorable <laughs> but i'm just i'm just i'm just thinking in in perspective here when if you really try to dig at this episode i mean we could probably watch this episode five times back to back and you might be able to like vaguely pull something i mean you might might even stretch something and you might be able to pull a couple of extra things out of this episode but in my honest opinion i think it's more so just a uh a character introduction to kind of build more of the the story, build more of the characters, and kind of like the the overarching lore, overarching lore of Steven Universe. Oh, and again, yeah. I, I I actually completely agree with it, but I I do want to kind of finish with Tiger Millionaire because we didn't get to like finish the actual episode. I'm, well, I, okay. Well, I just wanted to try to make sure that we make mentioned sure we Steven's would. lion. Yeah. Like, make sure we at least mention it in, in this episode. Otherwise, you know, we're just going to talk 40 minutes and all about uh, Tiger Millionaire, which is fine. But, you know, we want to make sure that we can move forward in this and not, you know, have the next episode just be one episode again or try to cram, like, make up for lost time. Okay. So ultimately steven doesn't like uh steven loses his fans and then pearl and amethyst come i mean pearl and garnet come in 
to and because uh, they find a promo poster that Stephen creates, and uh, this is where we start to see again that dynamic of instead of being parent to child, it's more of a sibling fight. This was all about a sibling fight from the beginning. Um, mm-hmm. And again, this is my point of view, so feel free to argue with me. Tell me I'm wrong. It's okay. I will. I can. I can take it on the air. Off so the that, air, you're I, wrong. <laughs> off the air, I will kick your butt. <laughs> you're wrong. Um, so at this one point, um, so Pearl and and Garnet come. They they appear. They come crashing down, and so Pearl is talking about how. Uh, what is Amethyst doing here, doing this sort of barbaric wrestling stuff? And we see that they do not really support her hobby of sort of wrestling. And it's not until Steven really makes up the narrative for uh, Purple Puma, and he sort of builds it out of uh, genuine... uh, Amethyst's real feelings um, about his her situation at home, and the story is pretty much the same story as uh, where the wild things are, where she was in a place that she couldn't be herself, so she went out into the wild where she can be herself and be wild, like Purple Puma is. And once they understand that this is what Amethyst is trying to do, she's trying to sublimate she's trying to find those coping skills they then understand that they should support her and so they sort of play in into this new heel narrative where they're going to destroy wrestling yep they are totally against wrestling and they're making sure that wrestling never happens all over the world because no one is allowed to have fun. <laughs> yeah, and though this this sort of brings a redemption arc for Targaryen Millionaire as well when he tries to fight to uh, save wrestling again. Yes. I could see it. Yeah. So, but this is where we got to see the actual dynamic of then that household, because this is where it's like, oh, if they would have, well, okay, fine. Yes. If Amethyst would have just said, hey, I feel like you guys are kind of stifling me, or I feel like I'm not being heard or I'm not being respected. Um, this probably could have, you know, we wouldn't have gotten this far. We wouldn't have had this episode. <laughs> yeah. um, but this is also one of those situations that this is what, how we, how we are in our lives. Everybody wants to be told, Hey, I appreciate you. Hey, thanks for the work that you're doing. Um, and, and, um, this is where I get preachy. So tell me if I get preachy. So as a ther- as a family therapist, this is actually one of our biggest problems um, in a household is parents um, and how we say it is should parents should their child they should do their chores they should do their homework. Okay, but this is why you have arguments all the time. Nobody likes doing chores. I'm an adult. I don't like ch- doing chores. I don't like cleaning up after myself. I get home. Sometimes I'm a complete slob. I will pick up everything before I go to bed. And But as soon as I come home and I'm changing, like all my clothes just go on a pile on the floor. And 
parents automatically say, well, he comes home, he's, his clothes should go in the hamper. They, his homework should start gets, uh, get done. But then they also don't see those moments where the kid picks up the, the, the dishes from the table and starts doing the dishes without being asked. Um, or he's already started his homework and he's already, you know, and he's finishing up, you know, they don't take that time to say, Hey, I saw you that you did your homework without having me telling you to do that. Thanks. Or, you know, thank you for doing the dishes. Thank you for taking out the trash. Um, because those little things help. We all just want to hear. Thank you. We want to be, we want to hear you see us when we're not doing something bad. And again, I, I mean, if if this wasn't happening, I wouldn't have a job. But still, <laughs> it's mm-hmm. it's actually one of the tiniest fixes that we that we enter uh, that we introduce into a household that actually makes the most progress. Um, so that that's my preachiness for a moment, and I'm sorry if I went off on a tangent. That was a good preach moment. Thank you. That's a great sort of closing note. So. Um, but again, so if we go from then Tiger Millionaire to to Stephen's Lion, yes, we get to see that Amethyst does kind of yes, uh, she's destructive, um, and she doesn't pay attention to her duty sometimes, and this is why we have the introduction episode of Stephen's Lion, Lion. Yeah, but again, I, I, I don't know. I I liked the episode. It's a really great fluff episode, I guess I want to call it. Um, mm-hmm. But as a as a uh, a therapeutic device, not so much. Yeah. Um, we can talk about some fear because Stephen's a little scared of Lion in the beginning, but was it an an uh, irrational fear? Fear? No, not really. Um, yeah, it's perfectly appropriate. You should always be scared of a lion if you're not behind uh, uh, a glass enclosure. <laughs> Even if it's pink. Yeah. Especially if it's pink. Especially if it's pink. Yeah. I mean, the, the most thing, it was a cute episode. I like I like it as an episode. I really do. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, there was really no, I, I okay. And if you guys see something I don't see, I didn't think there was a therapeutic aspect of Lion's Lion. No, it's it's a very sort of it's not a complex episode that deals in any like major themes. Yeah, it's more sort of introducing this character of the lion, and sort of it's a pretty fun episode to watch. And we get to see more of sort of Amethyst being that uh showing that role of the of the adolescent child where you know uh yeah you know i i knew i had to do that but i kind of just forgot or you know I, I figured taking a nap would be way more productive than doing that thing so um we get to see steven's need to, uh well not real need but steven's uh kind of response to res- uh, response to that lack of responsibility. I think Mark did the best and the best part of the, of the episode already. So <laughs> yeah, I think that That's pretty much yeah. my cute little cinnamon bun, Mark. <laughs> yeah. 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 All right. <laughs> well, I feel like, 
I think Cinnamon Bun Mark, this this is a good closing statement. So yes, I feel like that. That I think that's we've covered as much as we could. Uh, any last minute thoughts on either of these two episodes from either of you two? Nope. Nope. All right. So I think um, I think we're good to uh, end it here for today. I'd just like to thank everybody for tuning in to the podcast. We're still trying to figure things out, and still bear with us. I pre- we appreciate the fact that uh, you guys are with us still. Um, I would just like to point out one thing. Um, by the by, the time of this recording, um, the Steven Universe uh, app called uh, Steven Universe Tap Together is out on iOS and Android. Um, so this is a shameless plug for the uh, club that I had created for this app. Um, if you already have the game and you're looking for a club to join, or if you are someone who's interested in it, feel free to download it. Um, once you go through the tutorial stuff, you should be able to look up a club and just search uh, Geek Therapy Club. And it'll, it should pop up, and you can join us, and we can all just engage in jolly cooperation, and it'll be a blast. I'm an, honestly in love with the game. I'm playing it all the time, even in class when I'm not supposed to. I'm playing it <laughs> even when my clients are talking. No, I am not. <laughs> She's lying. <laughs> no, I do not. I, I pay attention to my clients. They are more important. I don't know. Pink Diamond was pretty important. <laughs> I worked really hard for it. Yes. So is this a good place to, to say the end note? Yes. Thanks for listening to the Here Comes a Thought podcast. You can join in on the discussion at Geek Therapy Forums. That's forum.geektherapy.com. Alternatively, you can contact each of us on Twitter. You can contact me at psychogonically. Uh, which is P-S-Y-C-H-O-G-O-N-I-C-A-L-L-Y. You can contact Kat at CatMFT, and you can contact Mark at Quiris96. That's C-U-I-R-I-Z-9-6. Special thanks to Joe Jeremiah, who let us use a segment of his Steven Universe cover of Here Comes a Thought as our theme song. And until next time, this is Here Comes a Thought Podcast, warping out. Bye! 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 Bye.